You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome back to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my healthy work wife, James Hardigan. Recovering, recovering, but by no means anywhere close to how bad things were last week. Apologies that we had to cancel last week's podcast. It is the worst illness in recent memory that I've suffered from, but I've now finished the course of antibiotics. I'm almost back to full health. And as of Monday, Joe, I am now the most powerful handgun in the world. I'm 44. Oh, hey, hey, happy birthday. I'm sorry I missed it. I'm really bad with birthdays. I feel, I genuinely, I'm sorry I missed your birthday, buddy. Did you do anything? Uh, I went to see Captain Marvel at the weekend. More on that in a moment. I, I forgive you for forgetting my birthday because you did show genuine concern and compassion when I wasn't very well, so thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, look, for one of us to miss a show, look, we've been working together for 10 years now, and I think I've missed a total of one day of work for being sick. You've missed a total of one day of work for being sick. Uh, We take this pretty seriously. Sorry, we're going to be up our asses uh, a little bit less this week because we got to keep it to a tight hour and five minutes or whatever it ends up being today, my babies, because I have a flight in just a few hours to Phoenix, Arizona. I will explain more about that later. During Life of Stapes, we are going to have a lot more (laughs) from the Life of Stapes this week. Um, I had another few Hollywood home games since we last spoke. Uh, Do not ask me what my current profits loss are since I play in these things. It's all all one long session, okay? Ha, 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 ha. But I do have at least one really good, thoughtful player in the game, uh, and he has written us a hand history, and thank God he did because uh, that was two whole weeks ago at this point, and I can't even remember the hands from two nights ago. Uh, I got some stories from uh, those two poker sessions, but also I went to Vegas to see Muse since we last spoke. There was a big charity event I dropped in on. Uh, more on that from the life of Stapes. But it's not all about me this week. There are actual uh, good poker players out there in the <laughs> world, and they're winning some serious money, and some of them are doing it with their fiancés. The couple that plays together, slays together, Ashley Sleeth and her fiancé, Jesse Sylvia, are on the show this week, having just both won. Uh, I think, actually, originally I had this at both at Borgata, but I no, think one was in, was in Vegas. They were both in Vegas. Yeah. One was a uh, World Series circuit event at the Rio, and the other was a deep stack event at the Venetian. And uh, fiancé is not... When you're the man engaged, it's not fiancé, it is. is it? It's all about oh, the number it? of E's. If it's two E's, it's the woman in the relationship. If it's fiancé with a single E, it's the man in the relationship. I see. By the way, it's 2018. People can be called whatever they want. You six E's. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Uh, also this week, we're going to recap Billion Season 2. Uh, and truth be told, I needed a little extra time to finish it. I'd only been about halfway through the season. Uh, here in Season 2, where things get a whole lot more billionser. Oh, wait till uh, Season 3, where they get even more billionser. Really? I'm actually, I, I'm one episode into Season 3 uh, at the moment. Uh, there was a poker episode in there, so there we'll be is. sure to dissect that one a little bit. And uh, super fan versus Stapes this week is Paul Cunningham, a longtime listener. He has chosen the untouchables as a specialist subject. What are you prepared to do? Oh, God, please, please let that be the only one. Uh, okay, we're, we're already deep into the movies and TVs, yeah. uh, TV stuff. Uh, as long as we're doing that, can we just talk a little bit about Patriot every week? <laughs> oh, like, this is very quickly going to become Netflix slash Amazon Prime in your ears. Uh, sure, what do you want to talk about this week? 
I want to talk about how brilliant all of the cop scenes are in Luxembourg. Um, the male cops and the misogyny oh, and their tiny penises it's and very the conversations funny. that they have. It's just fucking brilliant. As I said, every single subplot, every single minor character means something in this show and has an impact in the show. One thing I will say about the Luxembourg scenes, and I don't know whether you spotted it, I did find it slightly tilting. Because I know Prague as a city so well from all the times we've been there, it's like, yeah, that's the town square in Prague. Yeah, that's the bridge from Prague. They clearly did not film in Luxembourg, and it did just bother me a little bit, but I guess if you don't know Prague that well, and you're an American and think all European cities look the same, it isn't an issue. So I'm kind of an American and think all European cities look the same. I had no clue that that was Prague. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. I think Prague's probably a lot more uh, friendly for filming and probably a lot less expensive. But yeah, I didn't notice. Now, bear in mind, because I've been ill, I've managed to watch a shit ton of stuff. I've also put in a lot of hours at Forza Horizon 4. Um, I watched Free Solo, the documentary that won the Oscar and the BAFTA. Okay, Okay, so Free Solo... I kind of feel the way about Free Solo the way that I feel about when people say, like, I have to go to, like, Tulum in Mexico. I'm like, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's wonderful. I don't care. I really don't care. Okay, I watched another documentary, which is called Film Worker, which is about Leon Vitale, the actor who went on to become Stanley Kubrick's assistant, which I found fascinating because I'm a huge Kubrick fan, and I know a little about a little bit about Leon Vitale's story, and I found it a very well-made film. Did I- you learn more about Kubrick than you... I mean, what I learned is that this poor guy had no life. He was working for Stanley Kubrick 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the better part of 30 years. And you can tell that it affected him because today he is a shadow of the man that he once was and could be today. Oh, that's sad. It is. There is. It, it's, it's tinged with sadness, but he's not sad about it at all because in his mind, he got to work on some of the greatest movies ever made. He got to help restore some of the greatest movies ever made and work with one of the greatest filmmakers of the 20th century. Um, I blew through the Netflix series Afterlife, uh, the new Ricky Gervais show, which I thought was oh. fine. Um, and finally, we talk a lot on this podcast about crying in movies, right? And I would say 90% of the time, it's crying at the end of movies. There's the odd exception, like Up, where you might be moved to tears during the first five minutes. Or Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri, where I I burst into tears during the, uh, the letter scene halfway through. I have a new record. Captain Marvel... Maybe the first movie, well, I wouldn't say a bald, but certainly there was a tear in my eye during the opening logo. Oh, do they do something for Stanley? They've remade the opening Marvel Studios logo, and it's all images of Stanley. And then it just fades to black with the simple message, Thank you, Stan. Ah, uh, yeah, it's getting me right now. Yeah, it will get Oof. you. Um, I enjoyed the film. It took me a while to get into it. I think they've done something very brave with this film in that rather than starting at the beginning and learning how this ordinary person became a superhero, it starts midway through the story where she already has her powers and then we kind of learn over the course of the movie what's going on. Because of that, you kind of land midway through it and you're kind of playing catch-up. But the second half was outstanding if for no other reason that this movie has a cat in it and i will happily watch (laughs) movies with cats in every day of the week and twice on sundays it doesn't just have a cat in it like the cat has a significant the cat plays an integral role in the movie without giving any spoilers away i will say that i thought samuel l jackson was fantastic in this film and this might be his finest turn in any of the mcu series 
that like the other movie where he had a really big part i think is one of the best as well which is winter soldier so um it shouldn't really be a surprise i haven't seen this yet oddly enough no one in my fa- i assume you went with your daughter i did yes yeah, no one here wanted to see it in L.A., and I've been really busy, too, anyway, but uh, I am I am looking forward to it. Um, as far as ranked against the other Marvel movies, I don't think it's one of the best, but it certainly isn't one of the worst. It's very watchable. Uh, quick heads up, by the way, if you are looking for something to watch, uh, we are releasing highlights from PCA 2019 on YouTube every Wednesday. So this is in case you did miss any of the live streams from January or just want to relive some of the action. Uh, we're now three episodes in. Uh, we've had Super High Roller episodes one and two, and the final table is released this week. And next week, it's going to be a double edition with the first two main event shows. So this is a very rudimentary cut down of the live stream with existing commentary. But now that we're cards up, we can do that. And I think they're quite watchable shows. So give those your time if you want. And while we're talking about things happening in the world of poker, Joe, poker awards are still a thing. Uh, in fact, they're now a bigger thing because they've taken the two things that already existed and combined them into a mega thing because the American Poker Awards and the European Poker Awards are now the Global Poker Awards. And I suspect that Joe knows more about this than I do because he tweeted about it last week. The only thing that Joe ever does is promote himself on social media. So I take it you're involved. Okay, James. First of all, I got a good mind because I just clicked through my nominations yesterday and you may or may not have been voted for at least to be nominated by me as poker broadcaster of the year. I don't mind saying who I voted for in that category. Is I was it bad two that choices. I, is it bad that I didn't return the favor when I did my nominations this morning? No, because I voted for who I thought should get it. I voted for you and I voted for Lex. And so look, would I do I do I want to win every award? Absolutely. Do I uh think there are other people out there that should win awards and that are probably more deserving also absolutely um i'm not i didn't know until last night that i was quote unquote involved in this um i'm actually uh, other than then clicking through the nominations i don't think i'm involved in this they haven't asked me to host they haven't uh even really invited me i assume i'll be invited but i actually took a gig uh in europe when this is happening, so I won't even be able to attend the Global Poker Awards this year. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, Patrick Antonius has started like a poker tour, and he's flying me to Estonia to do commentary for, uh, I think, what will be his first event. So uh, I will be in Estonia during the Global Poker Awards, working tirelessly as a poker broadcaster, of which I will not win an award this year. I I don't think you're not in with a shot, to be honest. It'll be interesting (laughs) to see what happens when the nominations are released. I did notice in going through all the categories that there isn't an award for Poker Power Couple of the Year. I would like to point out that if there were such an award, you might think that Alex Foxen and Kristen Bicknell are a shoo-in. No, because as catalogued on this very podcast in recent weeks, we had a situation where Jesse Sylvia and Ashley Sleeth both won titles in Vegas in the same week. Very pleased to say that we can follow up that news by having both Jesse and Ashley on Poker in the Ears. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Are you guys still riding high on your back-to-back victories? <laughs> um, are you riding high? I don't know. <laughs> I, 
sounds like poker is like always like, what have you done for me lately? And like two weeks ago is a, is a really long time to have gone without winning a tournament. It's tough lately. All of our friends just keep winning tournaments. So you get you get that uh, that competitive drive to keep doing stuff, you know? I mean, that must have been a really cool feeling to have both won a tournament that week. Obviously, winning tournaments is like the ultimate as far as poker is concerned. That's why everybody's playing the game. But the little bit of like bragging rights and couple synergy that you must have felt at least for a few days afterward. Talk about that. Well, it was really fun because um, my my tournament lasted a whole nine hours. So that was a uh, pretty unexpected and kind of had to take it all in pretty quickly. And um, Jesse wasn't even really going to be there for the win. He was playing a PLO tournament and was on break. And so he was over at Smashburger while I'm sitting here winning <laughs> a circuit <laughs> event for the first time. Um, but he made it back. We got a picture and uh, that was pretty fun. What was better, the burger or the win? <laughs> <laughs> oh, those burgers are super good. No, <laughs> definitely the win, man. <laughs> Ashley told me that that like she was sick of people doing that uh, that like girlfriend in the lap picture. She was like, when I win a tournament, you're sitting in my lap next time. And I had like completely forgotten about it. So I walked down with my burger and stuff and she was like, all right, get over here. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> no, it was really because. When you won Borgata, I was sitting. They made me sit in your lap, and I, I, oh, I think yeah. I told you right when I was sitting on your lap. I was like, "Man, you're gonna have to do this one day." They made <laughs> you sit on his lap. No, not he. Like the producers at WPT, they were like trying to get different shots, and they were like, "Sit on his lap." It was really awkward, but I was like, "Okay," but he's gonna have to do this one day. <laughs> I'm glad that it ended up working out that you guys uh, were able to uh, to even the score. Uh, can you tell us about the relationship, like how you met, what came first, poker or dating? Oh, <laughs> definitely dating. We met, um, so he's from Martha's Vineyard. It's like this little island near Cape Cod. And um, after I graduated college, I was interning there at this dance um, organization for a summer. In my last month there, I actually got a date with his friend and Jesse gave him a ride to the date and or to pick me up. And uh, one of the interns that I was working with, I was like, oh, my God, there's two of them. You have to come with me. So she came with me and maybe like 10 minutes into our sort of awkward double date. I was like, wow, this guy is very weird. But Jesse seems cool. And we kind of and she was really into the weird guy. So we just switched like mid, you know, 10 minutes into the date. And, um, yeah, we never really looked back. We hung out like the rest of that summer. We went traveling around Europe. And then when we got back, um, I wasn't living anywhere because I just graduated college. And Jesse's like, well, I live in Vegas. Do you want to come live there? And uh, I moved out here and realized, oh, <laughs> there's this whole other world of his, which is called poker. And there's a whole other language. And I don't know it. So I basically told him, okay, if we're going to keep dating, you need to just teach me the, the language of this game, the rules of this game, so that I'm not just like in the corner kind of nodding along while everybody else is talking about hand histories. <laughs> and um, that's kind of where it started. Now, Jesse, is this oh, an Jesse. ideal situation for you to have uh, your girlfriend, I think now fiance, uh, to be this uh, into what you love to do? Yeah, I think it's super ideal. I didn't plan this at all. Like... <laughs> I had, when we met, Ashley didn't know, like, 
the hand ranking. She asked me if I counted cards when I told her that I played poker. And, uh, <laughs> that old chest. Have like, you ever had a royal flush? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I had no plans. Like, teacher Ashley was like, she studied dance in college, and she's like, she's a very creative person. And um, I, I wasn't like, you know, you should learn this game. And then um, she wanted to learn just, you know, so she could understand what we're talking about. Like she said, and she's like super smart and uh, quite competitive. So she got really good at it really quickly and then just like kept pursuing it. And it was, it was a really cool thing that just kind of organically happened. And um, I don't know, man, like it's, it's really cool now that she plays poker. Yeah. I mean, that must be convenient for her to understand both the lifestyle and sort of what, you know, what that poker life is all about. Cause I do think that sometimes, uh, you know, it sounds good on the, on the surface to date a poker player because of the, the freedom that comes with it and sort of the, some of the perks of the job, but you know, it, it is a grind sometimes. Do you find that it's easier for you guys to understand schedules and stuff too, now that you both play? Yeah. And I think actually, since we both switched to tournaments, it's it's gotten better even because we've just kind of embraced variance in all aspects of life. Um, but um, I, I think because we used to play cash and that was, you know, it's still playing poker for a living, but it is pretty steady. Like you, you're just in Vegas, you're playing at the same like three casinos and um, it's somewhat steady of an income. But now that we've both really <laughs> switched to tournaments, uh, we try to enjoy all the places that we go together. And if we have days off together, we really enjoy our time. When we bust out of tournaments and we're sad, the other person always brings the dogs in the car to cheer them up. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, see, I've, I've dated poker players in the past, and I, I found that, you know, that moment where, you know, 99 times out of 100 when they when the tournament's over they're gonna have a less than desired result you know even if it's a deep score there's always still some kind of like picking up the pieces so it sounds like you guys are like pretty well suited to figure out how to do that for each other well jesse is just such an even keeled person in general i mean he gets tilted when he's like on the laptop and he's upstairs and he doesn't think anybody can hear him (laughs) but uh (laughs) (laughs) but um but after a tournament or after a losing session, I mean, he bounces back pretty quick. So I think I kind of just look up to that and, and try to follow that model. Honestly, just looking at all, I mean, we have so many friends that are playing tournaments every day. It's almost like, okay, we busted that one next, next work day. And you just still get to see all your friends the next day. It's, it's not so bad. <laughs> Is this it for you as far as like poker now your career path? Yeah, it has been for two years now. Tournament poker has, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what are your, uh, do you have the same goals as Jesse? Are we going to have uh, another, maybe a couple make it to the World Series of Poker main event final table? Yes, this summer. <laughs> you know, every year we plan for that to happen, and like for whatever reason, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I, I feel like it's it's coming soon. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of planning things, are you guys planning a wedding? Oh, Joe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we we yeah. talk about how we're planning it. Yeah, we we've been planning in air quotes. No, we're we're gonna get married sometime probably next year. Um, we just been deciding on the location, but it's looking more like Vegas. So it's actually kind of tough when you're traveling a lot and and getting other stuff done too. Uh, like trying to not just like plan a wedding, but like coordinate with people in different time zones and stuff. And we didn't really like realize that but 
we're kind of both pretty laid back about it. And um, Wait, you didn't realize it was going to be difficult to get poker players to show at a specified time and location planned in advance? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, no, we haven't even thought about starting to get them coordinated. <laughs> I'm just talking about the other stuff. That's going to be the real... <laughs> well, that's probably why we should just do Vegas. Yeah. It's not that hard to just wake up and be like, oh, yeah, a wedding, and then go there. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, man. We, we did plan... Uh, we did plan the dates around like when there isn't a tournament so that everyone didn't have an excuse to not make it. Yeah. There, there is a date where there isn't a tournament. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point. Someone's like, Hey not, man, I'm going to come to your wedding, one. but, uh, but the, the noon at Aria is looking real juicy today. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, those people, we would rather have them at the Aria probably. <laughs> Jesse, let's switch things to you for a second. What about, uh, you know, streaming's becoming a thing. I see you stream occasionally. Is this something that uh, you're doing for fun, or is it something you're looking to parlay into more of, like, uh, a side career? Um, I just kind of started doing it for fun. I actually, like, I, I watched a good amount of streams, and I just, I was, like, really, uh, I, don't, I don't know if envious is the best word, but, like, envious of, like, the the kind of like feedback that they get from the people they stream to and, and the engagement that they get. I just think it's like really cool to be able to interact with, you know, hundreds or for some streamers, like thousands of people. So I just kind of wanted to try it. Also, I was, I was, um, I remember when I thought about streaming, I was playing a lot of like PLO cash games online and I was having some kind of like crazy heads up matches against a few people that kind of played weird styles. I was like, man, people should be able to watch this. Cause like we played a bunch of ridiculous hands. I think it'd be pretty fun. Um, so I just kind of like set it up and started streaming just cause I thought it would be a fun thing to do. And so far I've really liked it. So I think I'll do it when I'm home or whatever. Um, I don't think it'll ever, I don't know if it'll parlay into something bigger because one thing about streaming that's, um, really important is being consistent. And when I'm traveling a lot, uh, I don't know how consistently I can be like, oh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'll be playing online. So I think there'll be like some amount of growth with people, uh, people viewing, but I don't, I don't know if it's, uh, I think at some point I'll hit some sort of plateau. Yeah, I mean, it becomes like a, a full-time job, obviously, for the guys who do it. You know, the streaming is 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 really where their focus is. Uh, guys, do you have any, just a quick question to lead into my really dumb game that I like to play with my guests. Um, do you guys have any hashtag relationship goals? Do you guys ever see, like, those memes and go like, oh, that's one of ours? Uh, probably, like, every time I see somebody who has a one of those, like, backpacks with a dog hanging off of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, like an actual dog. Yeah, they they uh, what is, what is uh Sam Aradathi has some kind of weird backpack that her cat can fit in. Every time I see people with stuff like that, I'm like, we could both get one of those and be walking around with our dogs in public. With your tournament <laughs> poker dogs. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, my stupid game this week is called hashtag relationship goals, and it's based. It's a game based on what your relationship goals should be, um, based on some of the world's top relationship advice, aka memes. Um, so basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to quiz you on a hashtag relationship goal meme uh, and give you some multiple choices. And if you can guess how the meme is completed, uh, I think that you guys, if you guys get more than four correct, I think you might have a future together. Are you ready? <laughs> Oh, God, this is all you, Jesse. <laughs> yes. Jeez. Oh, 
No, this is a team effort. <laughs> you must agree on an answer. Time with the hashtags. <laughs> I want to hear you guys talk it out. The whole rationale. I want the breakdown, the analysis. Question oh. number one. According to a popular meme, after three months of dating, your hashtag relationship goal should be for him to tell her she no longer has to order off which menu. Is it the kids menu, the happy hour menu, the dollar menu, or the bottle service menu? It's gotta be the dollar okay, menu, this, right? <laughs> let's say happy hour menu, just because it's funny. Ashley says happy hour, Jesse says dollar menu. Can we get a consensus? Sure, we can go dollar menu. You sure? Yeah. All right, we're in for a dollar. <laughs> you guys, I'm loving this relationship so far. The dollar menu is correct. <laughs> Right. Based on a sample size of one question, you were destined to be together forever. Correct. Question Wait, number can we two. just end it here? Because I feel like <laughs> we're not going to have a better record than this. You will never be better than one for one. But maybe, hey, maybe you'll go seven for seven. Who knows? Question two. An elderly couple featured on Fox News visited 644 of the country's 645 watts, Bass Pro Shops, Tractor Poles, Laser tattoo removal offices or cracker barrels? Oh my god. <laughs> if I know elderly couples, they really love their cracker barrel. I was gonna say cracker barrel too. <laughs> Do we have um, a consensus on cracker barrel? I'm in. Yeah, sure. <laughs> cracker barrel is correct. You're two for two. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, question three. According to another popular meme that goes like this. My grandfather told me that when my grandma gets mad at him, he does what so she'll have to talk to him? Is it begins a clear line of open and honest, honest dialogue? Is it compliments her on what a great mother and grandmother she is? Is it fakes a heart attack? Or is it tightens the pickle jar? It's gotta be the third oh one, right? God. Pickle jar is funny. What is third? What was the third one, Jess? But it'll take him. It'll, it might take her so long to notice. Fakes the a heart jar. attack. Fakes a heart attack is hilarious. Let's do that one. Yeah, I'm in. Okay. Yes, fakes a heart attack. Fakes a heart attack. Now the good news is that you agreed on the answer. The bad news is it is tightening the pickle jar. Oh. <laughs> okay. Wait, how often is she checking this pickle jar? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of pickles. I'm just gonna go ahead and say this is a meme, and they're not exactly always truthful. Oh, okay, okay. Memes. These are all from like those hashtag relationship goals memes. God, gotta get on that social media more. Yeah. According <laughs> to another popular meme, what is this relationship goal? You're supposed to train your boyfriend to take your what off for you when you are too drunk to do it for yourself. Is it your makeup, Dudes. your boots, your onesie, or your prosthetic leg? Oh my god. <laughs> Probably boots. I'm going boots. Okay. Boots, boots is correct. We're back on track here. <laughs> All right. Once again has life breathed into it. Question it's number no, five. It's no one out of one, but <laughs> <laughs> it is no one out of one. But hey, you guys have look, every relationship has ups and downs, and we're back in an upswing. <laughs> Question number five. Complete this meme. Grab her waist, pull her close, lift her up. And tell her no one puts baby in the corner. Untangle her hair from the ceiling fan. Slip her the D. Batista bomb her. 
I feel like it's a fan. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it's funny. Yeah. I'm getting the, I'm getting it now. <laughs> I could see it being one or three, but I feel like it's yeah. Okay. You guys fans? Are going with We're going with her hair from the ceiling fan. Yes. I think so. I appreciate the compliment. That one was completely made up by me. What I thought would be the funniest answer to this one. Believe it or not, this was Wait, a wrestling. Can we change it based on that? <laughs> this was a no, no. That's it. You got it wrong. Uh, this is a wrestling hashtag relationship goal. They thought you should Batista bomb her. Oh, so. what does that mean? It's uh, it's the finishing move of Batista, the popular WWE wrestler. Oh, thanks to you both for being on the show. You really oh, do seem to be guys. a fun, cool couple. <laughs> and I, I hope you guys win tons more tournaments back to back in the coming years. Thanks, thanks guys. There we go, the second installment in our occasional series that we call The Life of Stapes. Um, we've got two weeks of stories to get through. Yeah, so we're going to just do some bullet points maybe to get through some of these. Uh, I did uh, go back to Vegas again last weekend. James, any uh, ballpark as to how oh, much I got no. bent is this, over? Is this for, a Muse uh, gig? Muse? I, I'm so terrible at guessing this because uh, I I always go way, way, way too low. I'm going to figure that this one, that I can't see where this one would have gone out of control because you're in Vegas. You can, the hotels are relatively cheap. I imagine you bought premium tickets, but I'm going to say you could have brought this in for a couple of hundred, three hundred dollars maybe. It was perfectly reasonable, James. Nothing horrible happened. I went with a couple of friends of mine, uh, two girl, well, my girlfriend and, and another girlfriend, and they didn't run up the tab on me. Everyone was very reasonable. We left the concert at a reasonable time. We didn't gamble on the way back. Other than parking and resort fees in fucking Las Vegas, goddamn MGM Mirage, which even if you're staying at the hotel, they charge you $10 to park be fucking kidding me and a 35 dollar resort fee per night for the fact that you don't the pool isn't even open so what resort however i did finally listen to the new album on the drive out there it is fucking great it's awesome right it is really good and the marching band song you would think to describe it it sounds like a terrible idea really love that version of the song and they actually had the marching band at the concert uh, in Vegas, which was pretty cool. Really fantastic. Right before the concert, I did stop by the big charity event going on in Vegas, uh, the one I hosted a few years ago. And this year they decided uh, to do a stand-up comedy portion of the event, and they hired Clayton and Ben, the two guys that uh, performed for us in the Bahamas, and they asked me to do it, and I said no. It was the first time... First of all, I had the concert, right? Yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to miss the concert. Secondly, I was like, I do not want to be doing my act in front of like a very stiff, serious charity crowd. They had all paid like fifteen hundred dollars a plate or something to go to this charity dinner, um, and they for allegedly. I asked Ben and Clayton how it went, and allegedly they like served the meal in the middle 
of oh, the stand-up comedy, no, which no, I no, knew no. was going to happen. And so I'm really glad I gave that one a miss. The first time I've ever turned down uh, a stand-up gig. Uh, after that, I went I went and played a home game at Jerry Cantrell's again this week, which was fun. The guy from Alice in Chains. Uh, I had a, a home game last week, a cash game. I did not lose. Hang on, hang on. You time. said, remember, we're not keeping track of wins and losses because it's all Correct. one long game. And I guarantee Correct. that you may not have lost this time, but I'm pretty sure you're still in the red after the first two I'm games. I'm definitely still in the red. 1,000% still in the red. However, I finally I finally booked a win, a very small one, albeit, but a, a non-loss is really all I was going for. I did have a pretty sick hand take place between one fairly well-known actor and Norm MacDonald was in the game. And um, the the well-known actor, I was so impressed at his analysis that I, I he asked that I keep his identity a secret because he doesn't want people to know how that he actually thinks this hard about poker. Okay, well, I'm going to give him an alias. He shall henceforth be referred to as Derek. Derek, okay. Well, Derek did write me a hand history for this, and since we very rarely talk strategy on the show, as long as it's someone else doing it, why not? It's a fantastic journey through space and time. It's Hand Histories. Pre-flop action. Folds around to Norm McDonald, who had recently reloaded to $500, and after losing a few small pots, now has $460 in his stack. He opens to $15 on the button. The small blind folds, Hero, a.k.a. Derek, has $1,200 in his stack and a fairly tight, aggressive reputation. He three bets out of the big blind to $65 with Ace-9 of hearts. This is a lot more detailed than your hand histories, by the way. Isn't it? Like, this is actually how it should be. Uh, We're about three hours into the game, and Norm has illustrated he is very sticky when it comes to folding pre-flop when he has money invested with any holding. So I decide to size slightly larger than normal here, thinking that a less than half pot size bet on the flop would likely take it down. Norm calls. Now, normally, we would get to the flop here, but guess what? More analysis. His mannerisms, as he makes this call, leads Hero to believe that he doesn't like it, indicating to Hero that Norm's holding isn't one of Uber's strength like Ace-King, Ace-Queen, Jacks, or Tens. There's now $132 in the pot. The flop. Nine of diamonds, seven of hearts, five of diamonds. So what's that? Top pair, top kicker? Yeah, backdoor, heart draw. Uh, Hero bets $75 and Norm calls. More analysis from Hero here. From Derek, I elected to size my flop bet to slightly bigger than half pot here because at this point, I feel like I have the best hand and want to get value from under pairs. And I don't think he's likely to peel with over cards. King, queen, king, jack, queen, jack. Norm quickly calls. Now $282 in the pot. The turn. Queen of spades. Hero now checks. Norm bets $100. Hero calls. I don't love this card, but again, I don't think Norm was calling the flop with picture cards. An ace-queen is less likely with me holding an ace. And his mannerisms pre-flop, which look to exude weakness. I also don't think he would bet this turn card if he's holding tens or jacks because of my three-bet size pre-flop. $482 in the pot. The river. I mean, I've never even had pot sizes in there between the streets when I do this. This is just brilliant. I hope he does this every week. River, king of clubs, um, hero so checks. Th- this point, uh, Derek, our hero, still has a pair yeah. of nines, but there is a queen and a king on the board as well. I mean, Correct. this is the kind of hand which I absolutely hate. Absolutely. This is the kind of hand where I've, I've probably folded already. If not, I'm definitely folding River. Uh, probably to 
even a $5 bet. Uh, Hero checks. Norm fairly quickly moves all in for his remaining $220. Polarizing. $702 in the pot. I mean, he's even got it that it's $702 (laughs) in the pot. Again, I obviously don't love this card, and a River 9 would have made me much happier. No shit. I tanked for about 90 seconds, giving my opponent a chance to settle in and begin studying his behavior. Now, this is Joe Stapleton talking. I'm really uncomfortable in this moment. And part of the reason is, and I am anytime people in my game are all in because they're all my friends and I don't want any of them to go broke. And I especially don't want my hero, Norm MacDonald, to go broke, uh, especially because he had already been stuck quite a bit. Uh, So back to Derek. The wildly funny, gregarious Norm MacDonald has wiped away all his charm and settles into a posture that exudes fear. (laughs) This is awesome analysis. He seems very uncomfortable. Haven't seen this demeanor from him thus far at the game and in my experience with these type of rake-free Hollywood home games. Thanks for adding that, by the way. No rake in my game. The players are fairly transparent with their emotions and mannerisms, i.e. strength looks like strength and vice versa. During my tank, I replay the action, reaching conclusion, which leads me to believe his holdings are weighted more likely to eight sixes, eight seven, seven six, five six, or a missed diamond draw. Plus, I'm getting a little more than three to one, so I make the call i think the key here are the pot odds being offered because you only have to be right one time in four to make this call and i think norm is probably bluffing with one of the holdings that he's talking about more than one time in four norm doesn't look happy but quickly and kindly says nice call boom sparing him any further frustration i opt out of making him expose his hand and turn my hand over first i later heard him say that he had a five leading me to believe that my read was fairly accurate. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, hell of a call there. I think that's part of the reason why I end up losing a lot in my home game is that I very rarely make those hero calls, and uh, when I do, I'm wrong. Uh, Well, a key part of the life of Stapes, Joe, has been watching Billions. Uh, On the last episode, we talked about season one, and I know last week you only managed to make it midway through season two, but by circumstances beyond your control, you were given a reprieve, so now we can talk about all 12 episodes of season two of Billions. Yeah, and I think that, again, what I really like about Billions is, uh, first of all, just their their style in general. Again, I, I think that it's a... It's a fairly, it's very dramatized, but I like that. You know, it's television. It doesn't have to be uh, the boring procedurals that I think probably would be this life in general. I really like the way these characters talk. Um, I love the references. I love the new characters here in season two. Absolutely. And that's why I think season two has the edge over season one for me. When you introduce characters like Taylor, who is one of the most interesting characters on the show, but also... Eric Bogosian is in this season playing Larry Boyd, and I'm a huge Eric Bogosian fan, writer and star of probably Oliver Stone's best movie, Talk Radio, from the late 1980s. I have not seen that one. Eric Bogosian actually is a big poker fan, by the way, because um, I've seen him at a few charity events, and he did, he did. I know I said this before on the show, but he mentioned he's a fan of ours, James, so that's always cool to see him uh, pop up on a show. Well, look, How you, does he manage? You have managed to net us a few celebrity names in the past. If you can get Eric Bogosian on this podcast, you will be my hero forever. Oh, do you want to get him? Absolutely. Oh, sure. I can try for that. I think he seemed like I said, he was he came up to me and he was like, hey, I love you. He specifically named you, too. So 
um, hopefully we can get him. I'd love to try for that. Um, how does he manage to be both on this show and uh, the other billionaire show? <laughs> I have no idea. Sadly, he does not feature in the poker game, which is a huge part of season two. Yes. And really, this is where we see Taylor as a character shine because they talk about their history having played online and uh, is kind of subbed into the game, as it were, to kind of take down the evil short guy in the heads up battle. I actually thought the poker game was pretty decent, actually. And the hand that plays out I believe it's a reconstruction of an actual hand from the World Series one year a hand that Stu Unger played and made a ridiculous call with and I think that's how it's been put into the TV show almost as a tribute to the Stu Unger hand well yeah and I actually you know James we've talked about this before in various um, games that we've called is that what they managed to do here is something that doesn't happen that much in real life. We often see like a flip or an all in preflop, but to win a poker tournament with like a call, like an ace high call, or in this case, it's a 10 high call. It, it's certainly more dramatic. And I think what this show does better than any other time this has been done in a TV uh, show or a movie is actually explain the rationale rather than just some, uh, his eye was twitching. So I knew because yeah. I had it, you know, and even Rounders itself is guilty of this where, you know, it's the, the Oreo Oreos, cookie tail. Yeah. Right. Whereas in this, it shows like a lot of uh, like growth in the way that people have looked at poker has happened since Rounders. And here they have once again sort of injected this very logical, very mathematical approach to why I think I can make a 10 high call here. Um, what I really love about this show is the fact that it, this show doesn't pander. Um, as far as if you don't pick up on what they're talking about, they don't really explain it to you like these cameos. Um, if you don't know who these people are, no one says like, oh, this is Phil Hellmuth, 14 time bracelet winner. He's just there on the show. And a lot of the time I only spot cameos because the people aren't quite as good of actors as everybody else. And I'm like, oh. That must be somebody. Oh, that must be a real hedge fund guy. Oh, yeah. that must be a real... There's a couple of cameos in this series, and I think in the next series as well, where you're kind of a bit like, Eesh. you know, it's... I, I get what you're trying to do and make it show that they move in these circles with these big names, but some of them just can't really deliver I think it's lines. worth it to have the person in it, and they obviously keep the roles brief, right? You know, you've got like Mark Cuban, I think, popped up in this season. You're like, yeah, yeah. okay, like that's Mark Cuban. Well, he's he's an okay actor, yeah, but occasionally, occasionally, you're like, okay, uh, that's good. Just don't don't let them talk. The other cameo in the poker episode that you may not have spotted, uh, you know, Wags has this high class high class escort uh, when they're at the bar. That's actually Sarah Sampaio, who is a Victoria's Secret model, who was one of the people who came to Paralada to play against <laughs> Neymar when we filmed those duels back in 2015. Um, so interesting that she pops up in a poker context in this show. Uh, by the way, I have to say, my favorite thing about Billions, and it really was season two that consolidated it for me, is Wax. Because he is so likable and also so hateable at once. He is a horrible, despicable human being, but he just has an inherent charm that puts a smile on my face. Yeah, I, I think you described it perfectly. I don't. I, I think he's a, a bad guy, and I do not like him. But uh, his scenes are very enjoyable scenes. So it's a yeah, it's a very interesting. 
uh, love-hate that you have with a lot of these characters on the show. So we've got a, a decent poker hand to close out this poker game. And the way that they talk about poker is the same way they talk about investments and business. They use the actual lingo. And it's hard, I guess, for someone who's not familiar with the game to keep up. But it feels authentic. It feels genuine. And I think that the show benefits from that. Yeah, absolutely. They don't they don't really pander whether they're talking about wrestling. There's a lot of wrestling references. There's a lot of Godfather references. And if you don't pick up on what they are, they're gone. Uh, so, Compliment actually uh, tweeted yesterday. Someone has gone through and made a list of all of the references, which was something I was considering doing wow. uh, for when he's on the show la- uh, next week. Uh, I was considering maybe quizzing him on the references, but you know what? That's too easy. He's going to get them, obviously. So I got to come up with something a lot dumber than that. Uh, But yeah, you can check out that Twitter account if you guys are interested in those references. So, of course, the central plot of season two is not dissimilar to the central plot of season one. We've got Paul Giamatti as the attorney trying to take down Axe. And the plot here is that using Larry Boyd, he gets to him by sowing the seed of this idea that that Axe can somehow scupper the IPO of Ice Juice, this business which uh, his friend and his father are invested in, and that way he'll have all this evidence to take him down. Here's the thing. I really like that plot, by the way. Dude, dude, this Golden Frog Time episode is one of the best episodes of TV. It was so fucking good. Here's the thing that mildly annoyed me about this, and I thought, I figured that all along, from the moment this whole plot starts, we're meant to know as the audience that Paul Giamatti is setting this up. I that forgot. This, that this whole thing. But no, because you then have the reveal afterwards. After it all goes down, there's then, and now we're going to see how Paul Giamatti set the whole thing up and used yeah. Larry Boyd to get to Axe. How clearly he was making Axe aware that his own money was in this, his father's money was in this, that he was going to get him out of spite. But I thought that was obvious all along. And I hated the reveal at the end of this season because to me that was pandering. To me that was almost saying, hey, audience, I need to tell you what's going on here. Okay, so I think that you are a much more analytical audience member than the average person is. And you remember things a lot more. And... I genuinely, even though now, again, this is a show that airs week to week. So ostensibly, you're supposed to be watching it once a week. None of us do that. I wasn't doing that, even though I had just seen the episode where you see uh, Chuck sit down with the ice juice binder on his desk. And he's like, hmm. And you're like, oh, he's up to something. Yeah. By the time I got to Golden Frog time uh, and the whole and, you know, and the stock ends up tanking and all that, I had actually forgotten. Okay. Uh, I had forgotten that that happened. And then when they do the three weeks earlier, I'm like, oh, shit. Right. Oh, fuck. Wait, this. Wait, 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 wait. And then uh, then it shows everything. And the, I'm, I'm like, yeah, even though I know what's coming now, I, I loved it. I loved being taken back and having uh, seeing the step by step process that Chuck went through that. That did not bother me at all. But I can understand where if you've never forgotten about that, that you're like, well, we know this is coming. Let's go get on with it. Yeah. And we were talking earlier on, Joe, about Patriot and how there's so many minor characters in that who are so enjoyable. And the same is true of Billions as well. All of the various traders, we mentioned uh, Dollar Bill the last time we discussed this. Spiros is a character who as well I find yes. so good, so interesting. 
take. I fucking all love of a take. take. And Absolutely. I was really happy to see him come back. That actor, the way he plays that part is just fucking awesome. Absolutely. So you revealed, Joe, that next week Brian Koppelman is going to be on Poker in the Ears. Uh, we're going to recap season three of Billions. We're going to preview season four with Brian. Obviously, we're going to have to talk to him about rounders as well. We welcome people to send in any questions they may have for Brian. Hashtag poke it in the ears. And more importantly than that, I'm going to try and find a really strong prize for next week's Superfan versus Tapes because I want someone to volunteer to be our Billions Superfan. We're going to have a Billions quiz on this show. And bear in mind that Joe would have just watched all three seasons. This stuff is going to be fresh in his memory. So you need to know your shit. But if you volunteer to come on the show and go head to head with Joe in a Billions quiz, we're going to have a nice prize for you. You apply, as always, using the hashtag poker in the ears on Twitter. And here's the most exciting thing for me about Koppelman being on next week. He will literally be on set for the last day of filming for season wow. four while he's speaking to us. So I'm very excited about that. Also, he's going to play one of my dumb games. So I'm incredibly <laughs> excited about that uh, and really looking forward to next week. So get in. Get in your applications, guys. Superfan yes. Billions next week. Oh, and talking of superfans. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, I'm pleased to say that we've overcome some minor technical difficulties. To hook up with this week's Superfan, please welcome to the podcast, Paul James Cunningham. Are you a Paul or a PJ? Uh, Paul. You're a Paul. Hello, Paul. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Paul is all business. Do not abbreviate Paul. Well, the weird thing is, Paul, I recognize your name. I recognize your Twitter avatar. You have been a long-time listener. And He's this got a beard, right? A little bit. Yeah. And finally, you have thrown your hat into the ring for Superfan versus Stapes, and you've picked a good one. You've picked one of my favorite movies. You've picked one of Joe's favorite movies, The Untouchables, 1987. Okay, that's good. Well... You know, Joe's been on a bit of good form lately, so I'm a bit worried, to be honest. Uh, and yeah, this movie comes from an era where I do still have a recollection of what my, my life and what my uh, movie-watching history was. Uh, I, I'm really surprised, by the way. This is one of those movies that if anyone brings it up, James will just launch into like a monologue or a speech or a really bad Connery impression, and I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. I would like to point out that I can do a more accurate Chicago cop accent than Sean Connery. And (laughs) no one is handing Oscars to me. Uh, Before we get onto the untouchables, before we get onto the quiz, Paul, you know that there is a very important question that we have to ask you. What is your deal, bro? Uh, Well, uh, I'm 38. I've got two young daughters. Uh, I'm married. I used to work in the casinos. I started when I was 18. Did that for 15 years. And now I work in a factory building uh, luxury 4x4s. Ooh. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, what's... Well, uh, it's a factory job, but, you know, it's uh, the casino industry is quite a grind, to be honest, so it was nice to get out of that. And I've been in this job for five years now. It Would it be at all possible to snag, like, a hood ornament or a, a car bonnet ornament or, like, a... <laughs> like an armrest or something. What's something you could easily abscond with to give someone no, like a luxury no, car souvenir? 
not really worth it. And uh, where <laughs> I work, it's just metal work anyway. It's the very beginning of the production. This is part of a door handle for a Range Rover. Merry Christmas. I love the places your mind goes, Joe. I'm interested to know, Paul, in the 15 years that you were working in the casino industry, um, was that across the board or kind of jobs? We, did you specialize as a poker dealer or a poker room manager, for example? I, I did for a short while. I started as a crew, uh, as a lumpy, as yep. I call them. I trained up to inspect that. Uh, I stayed for about five years in Birmingham. Then I went on to the cruise ships for five years, which is where I met my wife. Um, I did five years on the cruise ships traveling around the world, which was fun, as you can imagine. And then I came back to my old casino. I did another five years there. And that's that time is where I trained up to be a car dream supervisor as well. And right. that truly, truly killed my love for the game of poker. Oh, oh no. no. But did it in any way refine your expertise? Because there are so many poker dealers who are actually incredibly proficient players because they've simply seen so many hands and seen so many great moves over the years. Yeah, you know, I, I used to think that by being a supervisor and walking around watching people play, it might make me better, but no. <laughs> No, that would be the answer. <laughs> well, I guess it's better to preserve your love of poker. Like, I assume now that you don't work in the industry anymore that you are able to enjoy the game again. I've always been a, a big fan. I've, I've always liked playing. I've always loved watching it on TV. Because um, I don't work in IT, so I don't watch all the live streams that you guys do. <laughs> but I do, I do watch the uh, TV shows. I've, watched, I've probably watched every one. I love watching you guys. I love watching the World Series of Poker. I was lucky to catch Moneymaker on ESPN when I was on the cruise ships. Wow. That's when I was, wow, cool. Yeah. So, like, even back then, I was, like, looking at TV going, that's not his name. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume that long ago the cruise ships were uh, were mostly coal-driven. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't that bad. But uh, yeah, it, was, it was pretty cool to be over there at that time. And uh, I really enjoyed watching I've always liked watching it on TV. It's probably my... Well, one of the events where we've made many TV shows, Paul, is EPT Monte Carlo. That is coming up, and we have a satellite ticket for EPT Monte Carlo available for you to win as a prize. There will be a small piece of PokerStars merchandise, which you're guaranteed to win. But let's see if you can thrash Joe in this Untouchables-themed quiz. I'm going to say this one is a joint effort. As usual, it was outsourced, outsourced to our trusty intern, Patrick. He watched it, I think, for the first time and enjoyed it. So hopefully you've seen the film relatively recently. I personally felt that Patrick's questions were a little bit too easy. So I've thrown in some random bonus questions just to spice things up a bit. Oh, I like that. That's a great... I like that a lot. That sounds good. Uh, so, you know the format, Paul. You know how it works. There are 10 questions available. Some have bonuses, some don't. But hey, that's just the luck of the draw. You get to pick first, one through 10. Where do you want to go? Always come in seven. Number seven. I think you should be able to get this one without taking the options. What is written in blood at George and Oscar's murder scene? Yeah, touchables. Two points. Joe. You know how I always get mad at the first question because I would have gotten it? Yeah. Would not have gotten that. Really? Yeah. Okay. In that case, I think you're going to fail because that was one of the <laughs> easier ones. I'm just going to mix things up. I don't ever do this. Uh, I'm going to go with question number three. Question number three. Where does Malone suggest that Ness recruits his officers from? Where does 
messages. I know where they end up going. Yeah, where do they end up suggest. going? Oh, okay. The police academy. Correct, for two points. Woo! And your next question, Paul. Your second question. Uh, number six, please. Number six. How do the untouchables get George the gangster to cooperate? Would that be in the cabin? It is the scene in the cabin. That's when they end up shooting the dead guy in the head, Sean Connery does. Correct. They shoot the dead thug in the mouth for two points. <laughs> Mr. Ness, I do not approve of your methods. We are not from Chicago. <laughs> there you go. Great the quotes scene. have started. Great scene. Uh, I'm going to go with question five. Question five for Joe. What is Oscar Wallace's occupation before he's recruited into the Untouchables? Oscar Wallace's occupation before he's included into the Untouchables. He's an accountant. He is an accountant for two points, and this has a bonus question. All right. Which actor plays Oscar Wallace? No fucking clue. Do you happen to know, Paul, you could steal for an extra point? Nah, no fucking clue. Charles Martin Smith was the answer to the bonus question. Is he still alive? Is he still in movies? I think he is. Uh, should we go for... Another question, question one. Question one. Which year was the film released? Uh, it was for two points. And the bonus question is, who wrote the screenplay? Uh, no options, huh? No, it's a bonus. Uh, I'd, I'd have to say Brian De Palma. I don't know. He was the director, but not the writer. Joe, you should get this. David Mamet. Correct, for a point, which means you're only one point behind. The score is 6-5. Joe, where are you going on the board? Uh, give me the highest number that's left. Nine, ten. Uh, the highest number left is number ten. Okay. How much did the film gross in the U.S. in its opening weekend? Opening weekend, it made seventeen million dollars. Okay, unlucky. The answer was ten million. Ah, oh, so close. Paul, two, four, eight, nine are available. Uh, isn't Joe's lucky number nine? I'll it is. Sorry. <laughs> How does Nitty die? He gets thrown off a roof screaming into a car. He does for two points and there is a bonus question attached. Who plays Frank Nitty? Uh, uh, I even looked this up earlier and I still can't remember. That's uh, <laughs> gone. Joe, can you steal for a point? Uh, I can picture the guy, I don't know his name. Billy Drago was the answer. Billy Drago, of course. Joe, two, four, or eight? Two. What do Elliot Ness and his officers discover in the failed raid early in the film? Umbrellas. Correct, for two points. Paul, you have a one-point lead. It's your final question. You can have question four, or you can have question eight. Uh, question eight, please. What does Ness find among Nitty's possessions at the courthouse? Uh, box of matches of the It is a on. matchbook for two points and guess where this is going there is a bonus question what is the address written inside the matchbook 1634 Racine Correct for a bonus Whoa! point Wow Holy shit I knew that would be a question to be honest when I seen it Joe the final question is question number four why is Malone skeptical of recruiting George Stone he's Italian. Correct, for two points. Good old-fashioned racism. And what is George Stone's real name? Giuseppe? 
Uh, I can't remember his last name. I'll give you half a point for Giuseppe. Giuseppe Petri was the answer, uh, which means you did score a respectable nine and a half points, but with 11 points, Superfan Paul, you are the winner. Congratulations. We will be sending you some PokerStars merchandise and we'll be sending you an EPT Monte Carlo satellite ticket. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank you cool, very nice much indeed. There was one last thing. Um, I don't know if you remember my tweet. You said it was a bit all over the place. Uh, and the reason I chose Untouchables was because uh, years ago, one of the episodes, you were doing the commentary and you kept setting up, uh, James kept setting up gangster films and Joe just kept doing Untouchable quotes. And I loved it. It was so funny. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we've come full circle back to this point. Paul, thank you very much for your time. Congrats once again. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, let's keep up the good work. All right, guys, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Next week, you know it is the rest of Billions. And Brian Koppelman, yeah, will be on the show. It will also double as our EPT Saatchi preview. I cannot wait to hear the hurdles that Joe had to jump through to get a visa. It was hard for me in the UK. I can only imagine what it was like for Joe having to travel cross-country. It's still not here yet. They said three business days, fingers crossed. By the way, I, I said I was going to make an announcement. Uh, I might not be here to accept my visa if it arrives today. Norm McDonald has decided to take me on the road with him. Cool. I am going, yeah, I'm going to Phoenix this afternoon. We're doing shows in Phoenix Thursday, two on Friday, two on Saturday. My first ever paid road gig. Uh, I don't. I. I don't want to oversell it. I'm not. I'm not opening for Norm necessarily. I'm emceeing. I believe there's another opener, but he said that uh, he really wanted to take me on the road with him, and that uh, there would be more opportunities in the future. So I'm really excited for this. That's fantastic news. Good for you. Yeah, and it just happened to work out that I don't have a lot going on this weekend. I am missing Maria Ho's birthday, but she understood. So uh, tune in next week, guys, for uh, Billions Koppelman. You can hear about my road gig with Norm. Uh, subscribe, like, and comment. This would be a great time to subscribe to the show and to get some other folks maybe to listen to the show because uh, this is all very accessible Hollywood mainstream entertainment stuff. Don't forget to apply to be next week's Billion Super Fan. There's going to be a great prize for any of those things. Please use the hashtag Poker in the Ears, especially if you want to apply for Super Fan or submit a question for Brian Koppelman. But that is all the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.